Welcome to the EP Edit. This is a podcast dedicated to topics of interest in the field of cardiac electrophysiology. I'm Jody Elrod, Managing Editor of EP Lab Digest. In this episode, we're highlighting a discussion on quality improvement in EP with a focus on building a comprehensive atrial fibrillation program. Joining us today are Dr. Jose Osario from HCA Florida Mercy Hospital in Miami and Dr. Paul Zai from Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Hello, everyone. My name is Jose Osorio. I'm an electrophysiologist who's recently moved to Miami, Florida, where I'm going to be practicing at the HCA Florida Mercy Hospital. And I'm joined here today by a good friend, Dr. Paul Zai. And our goal today is to have an open dialogue about quality improvement in electrophysiology with a focus on building a natural fibrillation comprehensive program. Paul, good to have you here and uh, have this opportunity to talk to you about it today. Thank you, Jose. And uh, yes, I'm uh, Paul Zai. I'm also an electrophysiologist. I am at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm director of our AF program. And so I'm really excited to spend this time to talk with my good friend, Jose, and to really talk about something I think we're both quite passionate about. And I think we'll hopefully um, uh, make an impact for you, the listener, as well. So why don't we start off right away? And uh, Jose, uh, I think the first thing we want to talk about, or I would say we want to talk about, is what we would consider, or you would consider to start off with that, the sort of pillars or key points in developing or building a high-quality, high-value AF program. Well, that's a, that's a great question, and it's one that I, the best way for me to answer is to going back to my journey with the quality improvement in this atrial fibrillation program or building a comprehensive AF program. I left the academic institution over a decade ago and was lucky to be joined by a former research nurse, very experienced, because I wanted to start a clinical trial program. And uh, when she joined me, she said, you're nowhere near. We need to focus on the quality of the program. First, we need to build all the pillars and build the highway so that we eventually will be able to participate in clinical trials. So at that point, and this was 2013, I made a decision that I think was a strategic decision that was very you know, career changing for me, which was to take care of all of my patients as if they were in a clinical trial. There's very good data that shows that patients do better compared to the general population when they are in a clinical trial, even if they are in a placebo group or if they're using a control device. And other studies have shown that it's it's not because of the clinical trial itself, but rather because of the standardization of care, right? Having a process that allows patients to flow through that journey from diagnosis to initial treatment to then going to an ablation, follow-up, having it all standardized, that provides better care. And that was the decision we made over a decade ago and decided to use that model to take care of all of our patients and build a program. So going back to your questions, what I have focused on, and I think it works quite well, is to first standardize care. What do I mean by standardizing care? Much like in a clinical trial, you want to decide when are you going to see your patient, what time intervals, what tests do 
patients need so that you have done a comprehensive evaluation. If you choose to send these patients for an ablation, how will be the procedure carried on? And when will they be seen a follow-up with what tests? So it's standardization of care. It is a very important way to reduce cost, remove variation. And for most patients, you can put them in a very uh, defined pathway. Once you standardize care, particularly if you're focusing on doing an increasing number of AF ablations, you have to collect outcomes. So outcomes data collection to me is the second pillar of a quality program in electrophysiology. And I think it's important as I'm sure this conversation will continue with many other topics for me and you, to collect outcomes for all your procedures. If you're doing an invasive procedure that is elective and it has risks, you need to know what are your complication rates? What are your outcomes at one year post-ablation? How many of your patients are doing well? How many patients feel better? So I think that's the second pillar. And then only when you have standardized care, you're collecting outcomes, and you understand what's happening in your EP lab and with your patient population, you should start focusing on efficiency. So I think the EP lab itself, that's the last thing we should focus on. That's when we start focusing on efficiency. You can't focus on efficiency until the quality component of your program is strong. We should never try to just be faster with our procedures, right? We need to overall approach our EP lab days with more efficiency whilst collecting outcomes and making sure the care is standardized. So to summarize, going back to your question, I think the three pillars would be first the standardization of care, foremost, then outcomes data collection, particularly when you're doing high volume of AF ablations, and lastly, EP lab quality and efficiency program to make sure you can have more throughput through your program. Jose, thank you so much for that. I think, um, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, I've, I've listened to you give presentations on this topic countless times. And I think the message that you uh, have put out there has been uh, very clear and to me makes a ton of sense. And I will just say that, that from my perspective, having been at a, a couple of academic institutions, I think what's, what's really uh, neat is that your your principles, these ideas um, are pretty universal. They're not really just for a private practice. I think they very very much apply to an academic center. And and my personal journey is is you know is trying to take those kinds of concepts and what can we do in the framework of an academic center. So I think maybe for for listeners, uh, you know, it's I think important to note that wherever your institution is at, I think there is uh, I think very clear applicability of these principles in trying to create a, an efficient, effective, high quality program. So that's, 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 I agree completely. This, it doesn't matter where you are. If this is a small community hospital, large non-academic institution, or a gigantic academic institution like yours, right? We can all very similarly work on these principles and quality will pay off. Focusing on standardization of care, you will achieve efficiency, will achieve quality. So those are all um, not, they're not mutually exclusive. Those are all important principles. So tell me, tell us a little bit about 
where are you at your EP lab right now? I mean, what, what, where do you stand in that journey? Do you think there's still room for improvement or uh, how much progress have you made at your own institution, particularly having to take into consideration that you have fellows for your procedures as well? Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a really good question to say. And uh, you know, I I actually think along the same lines of thinking of these these what you might call three pillars of achieving this. You know, I think when I arrived at back at the Brigham, you know, after uh, being at a different institution for quite some time, you know, when you're when you're coming here and trying to help continue to build an AF program that already is quite high volume, but trying to make further improvements on it, the first thing is really you know, when you're thinking about trying to make sure every patient has, you know, they don't have to be treated the same, of course, but they have to have the same level of quality of care is the first step is actually going back to your second point, which is measuring this. So how do you actually track the data? How do you make sure that you are actually seeing where you're at currently and where you need to get to? So that's really, I think, the first step in my my opinion, what we got, what we um, started off with is is how do we better measure our outcomes? How do we better measure efficiency measures, all of that? And so that was the, the first step in implementing ways to do that in a, in a systematic way across our EP lab, across the institution. And then once we could see that data, and there's a lot of different ways you can do that that we can maybe get into a little bit, um, uh, as long as you have a good way to do that consistently, then you can start saying, where are the if you want to call it pain points, where are the points where you think that there can be improvements? And I think the key there is also that, especially in a comprehensive program, uh, not only just, you know, in the EP lab, but where are the areas where things are inefficient? Is it, how are you getting your patients through the door? What is the time it takes for getting a patient through the door and then scheduled for a procedure? And then you go through the whole procedure day for the patient from the pre-op area to the EP lab to the recovery area to follow up and then and then beyond. And uh, and that's again part of that measurement issue. And and we we implemented several measures to be able to track all of those steps. And this is in fact get then gets to the third point, which is then when you're looking at you know, at least the model of a Lean Six Sigma model, you know, this efficiency model, the Toyota model, however you want to put, put it, it's, it's really following that journey of the patient from the patient's perspective as they go through that whole system. And we did that. I know you've done that is, you know, what? so when a patient shows up in your clinic door through the point where they see you at the one-year follow-up, where are the issues? Where are the issues that you can actually have an impact on? And we looked at each of those and made what efforts we could to improve each of those steps. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think for the listener, something I would invite you to do is map the entire patient journey. So from the day the patient is referred to you, how the referral process goes on to your clinic evaluation, if there's a decision about referral for procedure, how is the consent done? How are you documenting the shared decision-making? How is the patient scheduled? At what time they arrive? You need to map each and every little step because that's the only way to identify the bottlenecks. And you may understand that, you know, for some of us, the problem may be in the EP lab. The EP lab is you're scheduling for three months from now. And all of a sudden, now that's causing problems that you're seeing patients in clinic and don't have they start a place to, to add the patients for potential procedures. But in some practices, the issue may be in the clinic. In some, 
The issue may be in the lab that takes three hours to result uh, a lab before your procedure. So the only way to understand your pain points is to map out. And one thing that I did when I started up my prior institution was with a team, which was the CMO of the hospital, the prep and recovery director, the EP lab manager, someone from the lab, the physician, the uh, attack and the nurse from the EP lab. We literally in the hospital walked the patient journey. We walked together documenting how that journey should go and what our expectations are. We expect the patient to arrive at 5.30 of registration. We expect them to arrive at six o'clock. So, you know, as you see, the interesting part of this is that the discussion of quality and flow, if you follow the Link Six Sigma approach that you've mentioned, they're all the same discussions. So efficiency and quality can go hand in hand as long as you look at it this way, right? You can't look at just doing more procedures quicker. That's not the right way to do it, but standardizing everything, mapping out the process and following this Lean Six Sigma approach is, is a recipe for, for success. And, and Paul, interestingly, I don't know, wanna hear your opinion on this, but for me, a lot of the need that I saw to do outcomes data collection came from us learning how to do procedures with zero fluoroscopy. We were pushing the boundaries. We were doing something that was different. Others weren't doing. And we were you know, interested in making sure. I remember from 2013, 14, me and you frequently talking about this. We're interested in making sure we were doing the right thing for our patients. So electrophysiology is a field that we're innovating so much. Good example now, left bundle uh, conduction system pacing. If we're going to be innovating all the time, we owe it to our patients to be collecting outcomes because that's the only way you know that you're doing the right thing for them. So how do you see that, the, the continuous innovation in our field and outcomes data collection and how that played a role in what you do at an academic institution? Yeah, Jose, that's, that's exactly right. So I think um, zero fluoroscopy ablation was a really important part of this because exactly like you said, you know, I don't know, 10, almost 10 years ago now when, when a lot of us were first starting to do this. I mean, I think you remember this as well as you, we did get a lot of feedback about how this is really out there and potentially even concerns about whether it's right for the patient in terms of safety and all of that. And I think that along with other issues, I think created this really strong impetus to really measure those outcomes, to make sure it's, this is a safe thing to do for the patient, that it, it doesn't degrade outcomes or efficiency, et cetera. And uh, I think that that really did help drive things. And it actually did actually bring the two of us to the same kind of aligned goals. And speaking of that, you know, that that brings us to the idea of, you know, innovation and how to incorporate that into these efficiency and quality practices in that, you know, when you're trying to measure this, you know, how do we deal with you know, you're met, you, maybe you have a good workflow now and you feel like you're reasonably efficient. You know, there are things that will improve things further in various aspects of your workflow. But then now all of a sudden something comes along out of left field, whether it's PFA or, as you said, physiologic pacing or who knows what else may come down the pipeline down the road. I think an important point is, is, is being adaptable to those changes and, and incorpor how do we incorporate that so that our workflow, again, remains 
both effective and safe, but also efficient? So, well, we started working together because of Zero Fluoro over 10 years ago. And I think uh, as we started our own journeys uh, on outcomes data collection, we, in our own quality improvement journeys in our, within our institutions, a few years ago, we, we tried to do something that is what I believe disruptive, which is making outcomes data collection a team sport with physicians that are outside the boundaries of your institution, right? So we now we've pushed outcomes data collection and quality improvement into a team sport with uh, dozens of institutions and over a hundred electrophysiologists using similar outcomes data collection approaches so that we can share data, learn from each other and do quality improvement uh, collectively. So how, how do you see that where you are today? Again, for you, bring it back to the discussion with fellows, but the topic now is outcomes, data collection, and quality improvement done in a large collaboratory of electrophysiologists. Yeah, yeah, Jose, this is exactly what I was um, alluding to just a minute ago is, so then when we're looking at both innovation of new new approaches in the lab, but then also how to keep our eye on the ball in terms of those outcome measures is, you know, when we got together again many years ago, it just made sense, it made so much sense to say, you know, if we don't want to just see what each of us are doing at our individual institutions, but what the real power of, of trying to uh, make this sort of a broadly applicable kind of a concept and process is really making sure that this is reproducible, not just in our institutions, but across multiple institutions, and hopefully as almost, as basically a standard of practice. And, and the idea there is if you take, so the, so, the, so we, so what we're talking about um, around the edges is this started off as a, an industry sponsored uh, registry, looking again at low fluoroscopy users in high volume, both academic and private centers. And we sort of created this, I think, really pretty cool concept of then tracking outcomes in a uniform way where all of us were in the same kind of mindset of, of a same sort of a standard of practice, an interest, willingness, and enthusiasm for uh, measuring our outcomes, measuring how we do things, and then to feed that back in quality of improvement. And what that resulted in in this initial registry that again was industry sponsored is is really a I think what I, I think has become a as you said a disruptive kind of approach to how we understand how AF uh, ablation and then more broadly speaking our field can advance in this really I think quite novel way and I think what we're we're now talking about is is an entity that that we call HRCRS which is i think trying to generalize that concept beyond say a you know industry sponsored concept but rather to how can we improve EP as a field by having this like mindset among among all who are interested in participating in this kind of a process of continual process improvement of sort of feeding off of each other in in looking at our all of our collective outcomes and I think the secret sauce in there is two things. One is that each of these multiple institutions that have participated 
there is a open policy of if, if a particular institution and, and investigator or participant, however you want to call it, has an interest in, you know, this is a specific area I think I've noticed is a pain point in my lab and how can we improve it? Well, that can be taken to the entire group and we can sort of develop a simple kind of a study or, how, or investigation to say, if we do this particular intervention, can we improve our outcomes in a certain way? And it has the power of all of these institutions to improve that. And that secret sauce is that, you know, these investigators, whether they're in an academic center or in a private center, you know, it's very egalitarian. Anyone who comes up with this can really participate. And, and you can see that in our published outcomes and our presented outcomes at various meetings now over these last several years, it, the proof's in the pudding. We've had really, I think, quite amazing broad participation across operators and centers. Ultimately, what I see us building is a what's called a learning health system. Right? So with this, uh, we now have a, a number of physicians collecting outcomes similarly, sharing data for benchmarking and quality improvement, and learning from each other. Because it is likely that a pain point you have myself or another dozen institutions may have as well. So why should we go at it alone? And why, why not do this as a team approach? And similarly, if I learn a trick or a technique at my institution that can improve the safety or the efficiency of a procedure, we need to teach each other. We need to find ways to collaborate and share knowledge more expeditiously. So to finalize our discussion today, how do you see for the audience one starting this journey at their institution? So if you're going to advise someone, if you're going to be starting an EP quality improvement program, where should one start? So if you could comment uh, your experience at your institution and, and giving tips to someone, and I'll try to do the same as well. Absolutely, Jose. So I think it comes back to the fundamentals you emphasized at the beginning of our conversation, which is, you know, if you want to embark on this journey, first things first, you really want to measure those outcomes. You want to see how, what do you need to, what, what tools do you need to be able to see where you're at, to see what your patients are going through, to see what your outcomes are. And, and identifying those measures and finding stakeholders or, or folks at your institution who are like-minded and, and are willing to go on that journey with you. That's, I think, number one. The second then is then given that data is how do you then make sure that, that your patients are all receiving high quality care and standardizing that care? And that's going to be through a process of continual I think improvement through like a feedback process that we've discussed already. And if I may just put in a little plug, which I'm sure you would agree, is if you are interested, you know, our collaborative, the HRCRS, this is a, an excellent way for like-minded EPs who are interested in this kind of a process on a, on a larger scale to get in touch with one of us to try to get involved. I agree completely. I'll add just uh, two quick points. One is I used uh, some of the EP accreditation programs as my script, so to, to say, to help us build an EP quality program. 
this accreditation programs can give you kind of a gap analysis of what you, you have, what you don't have, protocols and standardization you should do. That, I, I think you really facilitate it. And there's a few out there we know of. And, and finally, if you're going to start a movement at your institution, I would invite you to go and Google a TED Talk on how to start a movement. And you see that what you need is to find your followers. Your first follower is the more important one. If you're going to be doing quality improvement, it's, it's a team sport. So you need to find other like-minded institutions with individuals, not only physicians, but leadership, nurses, technicians that want to be on that journey with you. And then try to, once you've started at your institution, join others like us. So hope this was a good discussion and helpful. I'd be happy to discuss with anyone that is interested in, in continuing this, this conversation. And thank you for the opportunity to the AP Lab Digest team. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We'd like to thank our participants for joining us today. For more information about EP Lab Digest, please visit eplabdigest.com. Thanks for listening. 